Coming up on this week's Outlaw Lawyer, we're going to take some listener questions. We're going to recap the recent updates of the Landro case, and we will also update some additional news items we've talked about in the past. And now, the Supreme Court has said unanimously, this was wrong, fact-based. Your belief at the time doesn't necessarily jive with what the actual law is. Reasonable. Informative. Now, if you take in facts and you think about them and you don't jump to a instant opinion, you're the outlaw. And now, Outlaw Lawyer with Josh Whitaker. The Outlaw Lawyers, they are on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. 46 combined years of experience between these two. And again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Little Bird told me possibly another office opening up. We'll talk about that later. But we get into so many things when it comes to legal talk. So estate planning and administration, personal injury, criminal and traffic, family law, real estate closings. I mean, it's all out there, folks. And we hit a lot of topics. If you've got any questions, you can all Always call the show. Leave your question for the guys, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Or you can email your questions to the show at questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. Fellas, uh, welcome in. Uh, I understand you had a busy week, so let's let's get right to it. Morgan, uh, good, to, good to talk to you today. I want to this show is is dedicated to legal topics that we pick out of the news and, and want to discuss. But there's one important news story that I don't think we can we can ignore at all. We got to go first thing. But that was uh, NC State upsetting Clemson. I think that's the biggest story. Breaking news. Breaking uh, news. <laughs> NC State over Clemson. Oh, that's a huge game. We were we were at that game. So uh, uh, me and my wife were at that game with some friends. Good seats, and it was it was great. You know, as an NC State fan. Uh, I talked to Joe about this earlier, but as an NC State fan, you're you're always the underdog. Like, and it 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 permeates every aspect of your life. So you're an underdog across the board. I think going, it's just your mindset. Um, you know, uh, Joe over there is a Duke fan, and so I think Duke and Carolina fans, you kind of you're raised, you have expectations, you expect to win. When you don't win, you're upset. And that's not how state fans are, are raised. You're very thankful for any any win, and, and you don't want to jinx it. Um, but that was big time. That was a good game to be at. Josh, I, I got to take issue with your assessment of Duke <laughs> fandom. Um, there's other sports in addition to basketball, Josh. And uh, Duke does have a football program. And uh, if you're a true Duke fan, you're going to follow every Duke sport down to uh, women's field hockey, it, it, whatever. It, it, literally, you're a fan through and through. Sure. And um, I understand what you're saying in regards to maybe the men's basketball program, which, again, we could get into a debate because that expectation of success has its own drawbacks as well. Um, I would argue you live a more fulfilling life as a state fan because – you know, that your expectations being so low, man, you get these high moments where something <laughs> good happens and uh, and you can just feel really good about it as opposed to almost, you know, perpetual disappointment when you're not achieving the highest of high achievements constantly. Well, there there may be some truth to that. I, uh, <laughs> I it would be nice to feel that 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 the, the winning all the time or being disappointed with your two losses. uh it's season, not that great, are. man. It's not. It's it's not that great. I'm telling you. Well, and I will tell you, your family, uh, being Duke fans, you're one of the only Duke fans I know that really do support and 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 hang in there with football, and that that is probably like being a, a state fan to some extent. I think it's worse. 
I think it's worse. Uh, and I mean, again, we it's it's been better recently. Not like in the immediate recency. Like the, the last couple of years been tough. We've had some we've had some higher highs than we had in a while. But there was a long period there, man, where it was about the worst thing you could be. Uh, it, it, as far as sports, as far as just being so bad for so long. Um, again, has been better recently. We've had some reason to believe, but we we we're true fans, man. We stick it out. We, I mean, we season ticket holders for like ten straight years. We went and right. saw them lose to Richmond. Uh, went and saw them lose to a lot of really bad teams, man. Saw a lot of disappointment. It really makes you a better person. I feel like. Oh, your fans. I mean, it, exactly. it, it comes down to that, and you, and you follow your team. I get grief for being a Cowboys fan. And 1995 is the last time they played for it all. So it's been a long, long time. I have a shirt that says Cowboys just do it. And I've had several people go, what do they do exactly? Because <laughs> uh, currently they're struggling, but uh, they're off to a good start this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. And as far as the college aspect, I'm, I'm the elder statesman on the program. Um, and I came through UNC back in the mid to late 80s. So we were coming off. A championship in 82 before I got there. State won it in 83. And then Duke just absolutely went to town in the 90s. And then it all started to go. But back then, those three schools were fantastic. I mean, this area, when it came to basketball, was absolutely crazy. But football, we've always kind of struggled. Yeah, I, I, you know, I hope this is the beginning of, you know, State, I don't think anybody expects us to uh, to run the tables. Wake Forest always gives us trouble. Boston College is strong, um, but we're we're gonna as a state fan, you just savor. So we're still savoring Clemson. I think we got Louisiana Tech this this Saturday, um, but we're just gonna savor this win. No one's gonna make any crazy claims. We're not gonna look at each other in the eyes. No one's gonna blink. We're not gonna talk anything else about it. Um, we're just gonna we're just gonna hope for the best. But that was that was a lot of fun, and we talk about. COVID and, and mask mandates and, and legal aspects of that a lot. And uh, of course you're outside. We were at Carter Finley. We were outside. Um, but it was, you know, it was nice not to have a mask on. Everybody seemed to be having a good time. I guess COVID numbers are still going down. Of course, everybody rushed the field. I wasn't in that too old for that, but that was, uh, that was fun. And, and another thing we did, we went to the hurricanes preseason game mm. uh, last night. So it was interesting to see, you know, that being inside, you did have a lot of folks who, you know, we're doing the mask, obeying the mask mandate. And then the hurricanes have a special check-in procedure. So you had to log in on your phone and answer some questions. Do you have a fever? You know, is anybody quarantined? That kind of thing. It didn't ask you about vaccination. It didn't ask you about any of that stuff, but you had to pass that little screening. Uh, and they, they checked it. Everybody checked it. So it's interesting to see how that that's affecting uh, live sports, both inside and, and out. Now, Josh, you mentioned you mentioned something about the COVID numbers going down. I saw that as well. Watched the news last night. Looks like across the board in the state of North Carolina, the COVID numbers are dropping. Hospitalizations going down. Positive cases going down. Um, is it safe to say that NC State beating Clemson has cured COVID? <laughs> I think it's the. Not only is it safe to say, Joseph, I think it's the only logical, reasonable conclusion one can take from that fact pattern. Just want to remind everybody, the opinions expressed on this show are that <laughs> of the hosts and only the hosts. <laughs> Look, Morgan, it's, it's science. It's just science. You, just, yeah, you can't yeah. argue, you can't argue with science, man. But, uh, 
So how was that Hurricanes game, Josh? Pretty pretty good time outside of the COVID check-in and everything else. The game, yeah, fun. yeah, no, it was good. Uh, it was uh, it was lightly attended. I was surprised. I've never. This is my first year, really. You know, I think me and Joe have talked about it before. You know, not going to concerts last year, not going to live sports. Like I was, I was fiending for live stuff, and so we have doubled down. We've got tickets to every sport known to man. Guns and Roses tonight at the PNC. We are one as as terrified as we are of COVID. We are putting those fears behind us, and we were we're all in. But I was surprised. I've never been. I don't think I've been to a preseason hockey game since the Hurricanes first came to uh, Greensboro. Um, so it's been a long time. But it was. I would say it was lightly attended. Well, I'm sure. I feel like that's you know it's preseason, obviously. Um, but I feel like you're gonna we're gonna see a lot of attendance, and I don't know that I don't think we're gonna see any kind of uh, COVID effect on the attendance for the Hurricanes games, especially if the team is is good, the team is winning. We got good fans here, man. We have a, a strong fan base in this area, um, and it's a good place to be, and that's a great place to go see hockey as well. The uh, I think last night they were playing Tampa Bay, and I had to, I had the boys with me. We couldn't make it through the third period, but we were. We were up, and it was uh, they were playing real loose in the first, and I think everybody turned it on in the second period because there was a lot of it got real physical all of a sudden in the second period. But no, it was a lot of fun. It's good to get out. I think a lot of people we invited a lot of people to go with us because uh, we had a we had a couple of extra tickets, and there's a lot of people I invited that you know really still understandably so concerned about COVID are not ready to go you know anywhere like that. But that state Clemson game was full man and and uh i think the guns and roses tonight i think that's a sellout um so anyway it's interesting to see how everybody's kind of processing and trying to protect themselves the best way they they see fit but joe i'll remind you here on the outlaw lawyer our goal is to talk about uh news stories and and things in the news cycle that that have a legal background and kind of fill in maybe where some of the major news outlets uh, leave out like the attorney the legal analysis and we have not done that yet uh, this show, but we're going to talk about a couple of things that uh, I think are interesting from a legal perspective. Thank you for that reminder, Josh. I, <laughs> I do tend to forget what the purpose of our show is. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we kind of go on tangents sometimes, but, you know, we're, we're very busy in our day-to-day life. We don't, we don't get to hang out and, and spend as much time talking as we would probably like. So it's nice to be able to just catch up on really everything, sports, and then kind of dive into the the more exciting legal aspects of life and the news. All right. So today we spent some time last week talking about, I always mispronounce this name, even though it's all over the news. Is it, uh, what was Gabby's last name? Joe? Petito. Petito. I think you do so, a good job. I think it's Petito and you've done fine pronouncing it. Give yourself some credit, <laughs> man. I've talked about that before. That's my, that's my one. That is my biggest flaw. If I was going on a job interview, like Josh, which, what do you think your biggest flaw is? I'd be like, I cannot pronounce even the most basic last names correctly. It's just a problem that I have. So I always assume that I'm going to do it wrong, but so we've got a couple of news uh, updates just on that case. And we kind of want to take a legal, legal look at it, but dog, the bounty hunter got involved. I think Joe. Yeah, Dog the Bounty Hunter is involved. Um, we try to cover every Dog the Bounty Hunter Hunter related story we can here, uh, and and this has been the only one that's happened since the show started. So, but yeah, d- Dog's involved. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, sovereign citizens and some scams and fraud and just just kind of some crazy happenings that have been in the news recently related to that. 
And then we'll take some listener questions as well, Josh. We haven't taken listener questions in a while. We've been getting them in, letting them build up. So we're going to go ahead and address that and start talking, hearing some, some things that the listeners are concerned with and trying to answer those questions as best we can. The Outlaw Lawyer, we're going to take a short break. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, 46 combined years of experience. Offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. If you've got a legal question, and we do get into legal conversation, we had a little bit of a sports talk break there, but we will get into legal conversation coming up on the other side. Here's the phone number if you've got any questions about your situation, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. An attorney with the firm will be in touch. You can also email your questions, and that's easy to do. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And check out the website. Again, the website is theoutlawlawyer.com. We've got some new happenings in the Leandro case. Joe and I will discuss next. Law Lawyers on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer are your hosts. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm is where you can find them during the week. 46 combined years experience in offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. If you've got legal questions uh, through the course of this program and you want to ask those, call this number, leave a message detailed, obviously, and a number to get back in touch with you. 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. And you can email your questions to the program questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll use those questions on an upcoming program. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate, and of course, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, uh, attorneys. And we are all about uh, the legal discussion, guys. What's up next? Well, Morgan, there was over the past couple of weeks, there's been some updates in, in what we call the Leandro case. And we've spent some time on the program talking about the Leandro case. But real quick, to bring our listeners up to speed, this is the case that started back in the 90s. Um, and it basically basically concerned how schools are funded by the state. Um, so you have some plaintiffs, which were at the time students in, I can't remember the, the specific counties, but some counties where uh, kind of rural counties where you don't have, you know, Raleigh and you don't have Charlotte, you know, schools are funded kind of odd. They get money from the state. They get money from the federal government. They get money from their local counties and cities and towns. And so to really oversimplify it, uh, these these plaintiffs were students um, in these rural areas that said, hey, we're not getting the same education that a, a kid growing up in Charlotte or growing up in Raleigh is because their their schools are funded better. And that actually violates the North Carolina Constitution because the court in that case kind of came to the conclusion that there's a constitutional obligation to provide a certain level of, of public education to those who want it. And, and so this funding was, is, was vastly different. And if you ever get bored or want to look into it, Leandro, a lot of, lot of text there, a lot of, lot of uh, discovery, but does show a, a, a real bad funding imbalance. And I'm not here to, and Joe's not here to say, you know, how does funding affect education or, you know, what, what do we have to spend on each student to ensure that they get the same educational opportunities as other students. But that's what Leandra, that's what that case set out to do. And so it's been going on. I think I heard someone say almost three decades now, but I think it's 25 plus years that this has been a case, which is kind of weird. So the case itself is odd in that it's been going on for so long. 
um, but they make recommendations. So every year or so, Leandro, there's a judge in charge of the case and he hears evidence and he kind of makes recommendations like, hey, these are the things that need to happen uh, so that we give every kid this opportunity for this constitutionally mandated. And when I say constitution, I'm talking about the North Carolina Constitution, not the the U.S. Constitution. But that's a that's a quick up. That's a quick uh, summary of, of and probably insufficient summary of Leandro. Um, it's a great summary, up- Josh. <laughs> it's, I'm, uh, I'm, fu- I'm fully up to speed now. So when I, when I first started going to law school, I was an intern. I think I may have mentioned this. And uh, I was an intern for a nonprofit that was kind of looking at this case. So I started looking at it a couple of years after it got filed. And so I've always followed it. It's a news item once or twice a year. Um, I think Leandro will be around after I'm, I've left the earth, I think. Uh, it's just that kind of case. But it took a weird turn this year because the judge ordered, they determined, and I don't know the breakdown, but to properly fund the school systems that are part of the lawsuit, a judge ordered, again, a kind of a summary of the order, but he ordered the legislature to fund $1.9 billion to, to bring these counties kind of up to the constitutionally mandated level of, of funding. And that's, you know, Joe, you know how our government set up, judicial has these one powers, executive has a power, legislature has a power. Who has who holds the power to set the budget? Yeah, you know, Josh, we you mentioned earlier the fact that we're not here to, to debate, you know, exactly what dollar amount constitutes, you know, what's necessary to educate these children. Um, and and that's a fair point. Uh, but you know, I think it's it's also rational and it's reasonable to say that you know these these kids do deserve equal opportunities and gross disparities in funding. It logically follows that they're going to lead to disparity in the level of education that these kids are going to receive. So again, we're not going to debate that point, but we talk about the law, and it's clear that the North Carolina Constitution says that these kids are entitled to these these equal opportunities and, and to, to kind of stamp out this disparity. So we've got an order from a judge and judges order things all the time, right? Judge will order your divorce, judge will order that you owe your credit card company $14,000 or that your neighbor needs to move your fence. That's kind of what a judge does. That's what the court system does. They settle disputes, um, you know, and, and so they adjudicate things. But the legislature, the Constitution gives the legislature the power to confirm the budget, put forth and, and confirm and approve the budget. And the budget's what funds, in theory, the, the North Carolina school system and, and all kinds of other things. Um, and so here we have a judge ordering the legislature to fund this Leandro County's $1.9 billion. The legislature apparently didn't like that they in their budget i think in their so i think the governor proposed the budget because that governors do that just like the presidents propose a national budget but they don't they don't get final say on the budget they say hey this is what i think we should do it goes to the legislature and i think the legislature let's see the governor the governor overfunded i think the the court order was 1.7 governor cooper advised 1.9 and i think the legislature came back with about five hundred thousand. And said, yeah, and like you said, Josh, it's it's you know you posed the question to me, um, but it is unusual because you don't you know it's it's generally not the place of the the judiciary to just 
order these things and, and impose these things from the bench is generally the, the, the that's where the legislator comes in. Um, and so it is unique and you've got such a gross disparity here as far as what's being proposed and what has been, you know, essentially put forth by the legislature, whereas generally that's where these types of directives would come down from. And so now we're, we're in an interesting spot because this judge who by, I, I'm not faulting the judge. The judge seems to be a fine judge. I don't, I don't know this judge personally or anything, um, but he's doing what he thinks is best for the, this case, kind of an unusual case, probably took an unusual order to try to try to rectify the wrongs that's trying to right. But you got a legislature who is right in saying, Hey, you can't order us to budget, right? You know, you can't order us to fund or not fund anything. That's completely, our constitutional right, it looks like they haven't passed their final budget. There may be some negotiation. We may get closer to that number, but at least initially, uh, it looks like they're not going to fully fund it. And so what happens now? You know, usually a judge, if you violate a judge's order, they've got a lot of power. Um, that's not something you want to do. They can hold you in contempt, send you to jail, fine you. Judges can do a lot of stuff if you violate one of their orders. Judges are very important people. And you don't want to go sideways on, on one of their orders. But what does, and Joe, there's no real answer to this question, but what does the judge do here if the legislature does not comply with his order? Well, Josh, you know, the situation you've presented and what you've just described is the very definition of a slippery slope. We, <laughs> we talk about that slippery slope all the time here. And, and it really is a slippery slope, man, because if you get into a situation where a judge can just hand down an order and essentially legislate from the bench, you know, y you kind of run afoul of our entire system of government and you get into situations kind of like this one where, you know, it's not the process that traditionally and ha that has been established by the Constitution. It's not being necessarily followed here. So it's a slippery slope. And where does it end if you start allowing this to occur and, and, and a judge can just mandate these things? And to answer your question, there, I don't have the answer to your question, Josh. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we're going to hold I'm, the whole legislature in contempt. This is the kind of thing that attorneys find. Well, a lot of attorneys, not all attorneys, but I, I find it interesting. What is what is going to happen? Is this judge, it just didn't happen, and they'll go back to the drawing board and try to figure it out? Is there some method of contempt or, you know— I, I have no idea uh, where we're going to go from there. I think that I think the legislature is is free to fund as they as they see fit. Um, but I, I I don't know. It's going to be. We always talk about balancing of the equities and like our whole legal system, the way our country, our state runs. We're always balancing equities. We're always balancing things, and it's a uh, it's balanced like this on purpose. Just like you said, you can't you can't have a judge calling you know running. <laughs> the school system or, or running the state or, or affecting the budget, taking money away from other things in a, in, you know, in a budget that the legislature sees fit to fund. But anyway, it may not, it may not interest everybody, Joseph, but this kind of stuff really geeks me out. I think this is interesting. Oh man, I'm sitting here. My mouth is open. I'm drooling. <laughs> I'm literally drooling. I'm going to go get some paper towels <laughs> and but I clean, think, clean up my spot here because this I is, think, I, I love this. I think you'll, I think you'll see Leandro uh, maybe even before uh, our our show today airs, but uh, it'll be in the news some more. And it it 
I don't know. It's fascinating to attorneys. We'll see where it goes from here. The outlaw lawyers, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, and they go back and forth each and every week. Uh, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm is where you can find them. 46 combined years experience. Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena. Uh, if you've got any legal questions, uh, maybe about what we've been talking about, uh, certainly if it pertains to you and your situation, obviously you can ask these questions. You can get in touch at 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave a detailed uh, message and a number to get back in touch. You can also email questions that you have, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We might use the, one of these questions in an upcoming program. And always, uh, you can check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Guys, I know that uh, we're up against the break, but we have some interesting uh, listener questions coming up. Look forward to that, but go ahead and give us a little preview. We've got two listener questions, Morgan, that I thought were interesting. So we've got one listener question. Uh, they want to put a boyfriend on the deed to their first house, and they've got some questions, and we see that a lot. And then we have another question about a what we call a blended family and how they go about estate planning. So we'll tackle those two questions next. Outlaw Lawyers on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your host. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm is where you can find them. 46 combined years of experience between these two. And again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. If you've got your own legal questions pertaining to a situation, you can always call and get information. 800-659-1186. 800-659-1186. And an attorney will return your call. Just leave a detailed message and a phone number. You can also email questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. That's questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And please go check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Dot com. Well, we've got questions and from the listeners, so let's get to the first one, guys. Uh, here it is. I am buying my first house. I qualified for the mortgage, but my boyfriend of four years has credit issues, and our lender wouldn't allow them to be on that loan or to allow him to be on that loan. My boyfriend wants to be on the deed since he will be helping with these payments. Is this a good idea? Well, Morgan... This we get this question a lot. You know, the law firm of uh, Whitaker and Hamer, I say this, I think, every show, but we do thousands upon thousands of real estate transactions, purchases, refinance, commercial purchases. We do a lot of that here at the firm. This is something that comes up a lot uh, more and more every year. Uh, but, but, Joe, you see this one a lot too, don't you? I see it a lot, man. And, um, you know, if you look at our if you look at our law firm's uh, logo and tagline, we are Whitaker and Hamer attorneys and counselors. A, a lot of people forget that counselor part, but uh, you know we're here to advise you legally, but we're also here to 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 just kind of counsel you in life as best we can. You know, we're obviously not like true counselors in the sense of we're not therapists, we're not anything like that, but. Uh, but we do try to we do try to you know broaden that definition and, and in addition to giving you that legal advice, we're also there to support you. We're also there to to kind of again counsel you in a lot of ways. And um, we could talk a lot from the counseling angle about whether putting the boyfriend on the deed is a good practical decision. But if you look just strictly legally speaking, um, you got this boyfriend that has credit issues. Um, the lender doesn't want them on the loan. Can you, can you or should you put them on the deed 
I'm going to give you a, a, you know, the answer is generally it depends, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a hard, firm no here, Joshua. <laughs> well, I would too. You know, as attorneys, we deal, we deal with problems, right? I mean, this is a happy, we, we do a closing for your first house. That's a, that's a happy time. But a lot of times we're dealing with criminal charges. We're dealing with civil disputes, divorces. We're dealing with problems. And like Joseph said, you know, we're attorneys, so we're going to advise you on legal, but we've seen a lot of stuff. Um, and, and that, and that lends us, uh, some credibility on when we see things go bad. And so that's what I always look at. Like if you do this now and it goes bad, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Now everything could be fine and you'll, you'll never have a problem, but this is what, this is what I see when someone presents this to me and here it's a boyfriend, but it can be a girlfriend, you know, it, it could be a, a, just a, just a friend, it, but this is our scenario. So we've got a boyfriend who has bad credit. It seems like in a lot of relationships, you know, one person has good credit, one person has bad credit. Um, so the good credit girlfriend has the mortgage, has the loan is going to be liable for a note. Um, is going to, there's going to be a lien on the property. But the boyfriend is going to be what we call, I like this, this is a legal term, non-borrowing, non-spouse. And we, we, I, would, I would advise that you don't put this person on the deed because if this boyfriend were to, to leave, leave the state, stop making you know, their part of the mortgage payment, well, they're still on the deed. And that's not something that's easy to rectify. So if you have a, in this case, if our, if our boyfriend leaves town, he's still on a deed. And, and our listener cannot get that boyfriend off the deed without the boyfriend's signature easily. I think that's the best way to say that, Joe. Yeah, and you know, Josh, you made a good point. When we, when we do these fact patterns and we play these situations out, a lot of times we as attorneys take the perspective where we're just going to look at the, the worst case scenario. So we're going to assume this boyfriend is just a piece of trash, scumbag, horrible human <laughs> being. Um, and what you got to look at, you know, from a strictly legal perspective, this boyfriend is a co-owner of the property. So they are on the deed. They have joint ownership of the property. They've got an undivided interest in the property and they, you know, they have certain rights in regard to that property. But if, if you look at the specific language of this question, the lender didn't allow this boyfriend to be on the loan. So this, again, boyfriend has not signed the note, has not signed the deed of trust, is not legally obligated insofar as the obligation to repay this loan is concerned. So scumbag boyfriend, again, has that ownership interest. But besides, you know, the incentive to not have the house foreclosed on has no obligation, is not going to incur any other negative, you know, credit repercussions, isn't going to have a foreclosure in their name because, again, they're not obligated on this loan. So they really have nothing other than their co-ownership that gives them any reason to assist you with paying this loan with anything really so if they go rogue if they go off the grid and we've seen this before we've seen with you know spouses or co-tenants that'll literally just vanish and once they're out of the equation it's extremely difficult to do anything regarding the disposition of that property because you've got no cooperation you can't find this person or even if you can find them and they're just being exceedingly difficult and not cooperating you've got a big issue that you're going to have to spend a considerable amount of time and money uh, you're going to have to litigate to correct this issue. So you're just, you're creating a lot of potential issues for yourself going forward. Yeah. If this boyfriend goes rogue, you can't sell the property without his signature. You can't refinance the property without 
his signature. You know, if we talked about how he had bad credit, so if he gets an IRS tax lien, credit card company sues him and gets a judgment, more than likely that's going to be a lien on the property. And, and if he comes into no, the if he comes into your relationship with with judgments, he's got bad credit. There's a there's a chance he's got judgments out there already, and you put him on title, and you you got an issue immediately. And if you can't find them or they're not cooperative and you want to refi, you want to sell, you know, you're going to end up having the litigation that we call it a petition to partition, but you're basically going to have to go to a judge, tell them what's going on and get a judge's order uh, to sell or to, to buy out. And then what is this non-borrower, non-spouse entitled to? It's a mess. If it goes good, it's, it's great, right? I mean, you, you guys live happily ever after. You've got the house that you want. Uh, and that probably happens 50% of the time. But the other 50% of the time, it goes terrible. And it's never it's never easy to unwind these transactions. And everybody, you guys are buying a house together. Everybody's so happy when we're trying to give you these, this, well, look at the bad, you know, look at the bad side. It was such a, it's such a, it's such a, it's diametrically opposed to the feelings that you currently have. And we're like, well, what if this guy disappears? This is what could happen. So yeah, we always tell people this is probably a bad idea. You know, think about it. You know, maybe there's something else you could do um, or add him later on down the road or, or anyway. We're attorneys and counselors. And again, on that counselor piece, it's a coin flip. Like you said, a 50-50 chance that this is going to go south on you. And there's several, it, it's not a necessity that it be done. There's you can You can take care of that later. And especially in this situation where you've got some potential red flags on the credit issues, you know, potential judgments or bankruptcy, something like that coming down the line. My advice to this person would be to wait it out, to see how it goes, um, and to just slow play it. All right, gentlemen, we have a second question, and let's, uh, let's see if we can get to this one uh, from another listener, and here it is. My spouse and I have both been married before. We each have two children from our previous marriages and no children together. We need to set up an estate plan. What happens if I die first? And, Morgan, that's a question we get a lot. Uh, and it, you know, we, call, we call this family, we would call this family, or I would, a blended family uh, when we talk about estate plans. And you have to be really careful. So I, I think what our listener probably meant is what happens if I die before my spouse? And I'm going to even add on what happens if I die first as between me and my spouse and we don't have an estate plan. And, and Joe, I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, we have talked about it. First of all, I want to give my thoughts and prayers and condolences to this theoretical uh, dead dead person. Um, but but uh, it's a situation, like you said, we, this is a very common question. This is a situation we see a lot. And, and you were basically talking about that, that blended family setup. And then there definitely are some, some legal nuances and some concerns and some things that you, you've got to be careful of and you got to address uh, when you're dealing with that. Yeah. So when we sit down, we, we try to figure out, you know, anytime we sit down with anybody to talk about an estate plan, we're going to figure out what assets you have, what are probate assets, non-probate assets, what do you have life insurance? How do you want to provide for your children? Cause, cause even if you come in and you, you set up a will, the problem's always going to be when the first spouse dies. Uh, I think most of the assets, even with an estate plan, definitely without an estate plan, but with an estate plan, most of the assets are going to go to the surviving spouse. And if that surviving spouse haven't, hasn't adopted all the children, or maybe there's not the best relationship between this this new spouse and the children of the other spouse uh, from a prior marriage. What you do is you run the risk if you go first of your kids 
being kind of disinherited, you know, maybe not on purpose, but maybe just not getting, they're not the natural heirs of the surviving spouse. And that's always the big fear in these blended family situations. Um, you never know how everybody's relationships are. You know, sometimes these blended families, the, you know, they'll adopt each other's children and, and that makes the state planning easier, but you always want to make sure you provide. So in our situation, um, he, this, this person is going to want to provide for his own children, either via trust or, or via will. So that when he passes away, they realize some of what, or a lot of what this guy wants them to inherit. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about those horror stories and the, those worst case scenarios, and this is the potential this is the potential scenario where you can have one of those horror stories develop. Um, so I, I think it's really it's kind of a cautionary tale to anybody. And, and basically the lesson is review your estate plan periodically. Anytime you have any kind of major life changes, you say you've got kids, say you enter into a second marriage. It's always important that you take that step of having whatever estate plan that you've got in place reviewed. And if you don't have an estate plan, reaching out, consulting an attorney, uh, making sure that you, you're talking to someone that is reputable and experienced that can take a good comprehensive look at what you've got in place and make sure that it functions the way that you want it to. Because when you have these types of life changes, when you've got divorces, you've got new marriages, you've got the blended families, you can get into situations where it may be your understanding and it may have been the intent of your initial estate plan to handle things one way. And then since you haven't, you know, taken into account these new developments in your life and had those situations looked at by a professional, you could get into the, the scenario where what you thought was going to happen is actually not at all what happens. And you end up, you know, posthumously uh, screwing the whole situation up just by not getting things reviewed and checked out. Folks, uh, questions always lead to more questions. These are two individual situations. But if you've got questions about what you're going through, here's the phone number, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. That'll get you in touch with Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. And they've got offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. And you can also email questions to the show, just like these two, uh, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Com. Guys, I know we've got a couple of short segments coming up to wrap up the program, but what's coming up? So coming up next, we're going to rehash and touch on some of the previous things we've talked about that appeared in the news. We're going to talk about some updates in the Gabby Petito case. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some sovereign citizen news that has recently cropped up as well. And we're just going to kind of address those two relatively current events and take take a look at them from that legal perspective as best we can. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, we talk legalese each and every week here on the program. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate, 46 combined years experience between Josh and Joe, and they've got offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. Uh, we talk all legal, family law, criminal and traffic, personal injury, estate planning and administration, real estate closings. We've already discussed a number of those on the program today. If you've got questions of your own, you can call 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. That'll get you in touch with the attorneys at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Leave your name and number and a question 
and they will get back in touch with you, hopefully uh, with an answer uh, that will uh, lead you in the right direction. You can also email the show, questions at the Outlaw Lawyer. Com. We'll use those on an upcoming show. So, guys, I know the Petito case has been all the rage nationally. Obviously, a sad ending. Um, they did find uh, the remains of uh, Miss Petito, uh, and now the the hunt is on for the boyfriend. But I know you guys are going to update us there. That's right. So you said it best. The the Petito case really been all the rage in the media. Um, we talked about it some last week, as far as how. With today's society, how plugged in everybody is, how digitally, you know, in tune everyone is with social media and everything like that. This has really been kind of an kind of just a crazy thing to see how viral this has gone, how much it's captivated really every single social news media uh, type of outlet. You, you've seen it everywhere, and you've seen developments. You've seen amateur sleuths and detectives. And uh, people just kind of following this closely, and it's really just captivated everyone. So we've had a, f- a few updates, nothing you know, amazingly substantive. Uh, the Brian Laundry, the the prime and really only suspect at this point, Gabby's uh, boyfriend, still off the grid, still no one knows where he is. Everyone searching for him, and now we have maybe the greatest bounty hunter of our time involved. <laughs> Dog, the bounty hunter. I saw. I saw that clip, guys, uh, and uh, apparently he was tipped off, and uh, his group is now uh, on this manhunt. And I just, I was curious. I wanted to see because you see Dog, the bounty hunter, this syndicated show on. It seems like it's on all the time, and so I wanted to check. It's all. It was only on for eight seasons, two thousand four to two thousand twelve, where they follow this bounty hunting team around. And uh, a reality type show and uh, 193 episodes. That's the reason we are seeing uh, in syndication almost uh, you can find it almost any weekend or any weekday night. It's on somewhere in late night syndication. But again, 193 episodes between 2004 and 2012. But Dog the Bounty Hunter now on the case. I feel like Brian Laundrie is probably it's over for him. Dogs on the case, man. What do you what do you do when? When literally Dog the Bounty Hunter is on the case, Josh. Wouldn't it, how awesome would it be if he succeeds, right? What, how awesome would it be if Dog the Bounty Hunter gets involved and he brings him in? I think it would be, incre- it would be amazing, man. Um, I, I would probably predict get some additional some- Dog the Bounty Hunter seasons out <laughs> of that. I was going to say, I was going to predict they're going to re-up uh, and we'll see more of Dog the Bounty Hunter. We're going to get have- the Dog the Bounty Hunter movie on Netflix, uh, <laughs> recapping how he finds and with Chris Hemsworth. In, in makeup, playing, playing role, Dog yeah. the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> the, it's amazing. And I guess, I wonder, I wonder too, for Dog, Dog, I wonder if that's his, this is like a Dwayne Chapman. Stunt. His name is Dwayne, Dwayne. Chapman. I prefer but, that. But, if, yeah, but why Chapman. would you go by anything other than Dog if, if Dog <laughs> is your literal, you know, that's, we're going with Dog. In my mind, Mr. Chapman is being altruistic. Like he really wants to help. There is a bounty out there to collect, right? Which is what a bounty hunter does. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that his, his motives here really just, he just wants to help. It's not some sort of publicity stunt. And I hope, I hope he, I hope whoever is brought to justice is terrible crime. We're making light of certain aspects of it, but the crime behind it's certainly horrific, but it would, it would just do my, my soul good to see Mr. Chapman, Dog the Bounty Hunter, bring this guy to justice. Look, man, 
I don't know that Dog has altruistic motives. I'd like to think he does as well, um, Mr. Chapman. I, I don't know him well enough to call him Dwayne or Mr. Chapman, so I'm going to stick with Dog. Um, I don't know if he has altruistic motives. I think the man just likes to hunt people. I'm going to take a stab and say that that's, that's where his motive is. He, he, he just enjoys, and he probably enjoys helping people too, man. I'm sure, I'm sure that the Petito family, and, and I even saw a quote from, from Gabby's father, where she, you know, basically saying how appreciative that he was of all of the attention this has gotten of everyone who got involved on social media. So, you know, you got to put yourself in, in their shoes. And if you've got a family member that, that you're trying to find justice for, it's kind of a the more the merrier approach as far as individuals getting involved. And I say that, but then there's probably some balance of considerations where you don't want people exploiting it uh, and, and using it to to further any of their own agendas. Not saying that's what's happening here, but again, I would assume that the more the merrier as far as trying to to find justice or at least find the individual that you su- suspect is uh, the cause of this, so you can get some more information from them and try to, to, to find, try to get to that point where you can have some peace of mind. Well, you know, we were, we don't record this. We're not live on the air. We were, we, we pre-tape. So this will air on Saturday. We're recording it ahead of time. So there might be a development before we get to air, but right now the rumors are that uh, laundry may be in Boone. So dog may be headed to North Carolina to the Appalachian trail to, to get our guy here. Yeah, so just just kind of rehashing the actual how Dog gets involved here. Basically, um, I guess Dog received kind of an anonymous tip saying that laundry was seen at a park uh, in Florida, and so I guess Dog actually went to Laundry's home, knocks, no one answers, and, and instead of answering, Laundry's mother actually calls nine one one, which is, I mean, no offense to our friend Dog, but if you've seen him. If he if, if that guy just rolls up to your house and starts knocking, I mean that's gonna I think that's gonna throw you off a little bit. But uh, so this tip ends up leading to that park, and you know I think a lot has been made of this, you know, by dog and by some of the people following this. But the FBI has actually come out and said, you know, we actually knew about this trip, and they actually have corroborated evidence, according to them, or according at least to, to Laundry's lawyer, that they can trace his steps after the fact. So. It, you know, according to them, this isn't necessarily the smoking gun that they think it is. But you mentioned it, Josh, the fact that social media being what it is, there's been some recent images circulating on Facebook that are claimed to be Brian Laundrie in the Boone, North Carolina area. So you said it there, that search could transition into North Carolina sooner. What a development that would be. Well, and, I, and guys, just to kind of reiterate, uh, we've talked about this on a number of shows already. Uh, but the fact that uh, Mr. Laundry has has gone off the grid um, a number of times before and it doesn't really require a phone, they can't track a cell phone. They um, he, he's been living, he, he's done the trail. He's he's been out by himself for uh, an extended period of time. So this is someone that can uh, probably stay hidden quite well, and and possibly the the Florida. Uh, Escapade and uh, in the wilderness might just be a ruse, and he may be somewhere else. And if if 
there's reports that he's up in Boone. Obviously, people are going to be looking for that. But, you know, to go back real quickly about Dog the Bounty Hunter, he had the show for eight seasons. And a large percentage of those shows, guys, just to give him a lot of credit, uh, he talks to the people that he actually catches about rehab and not getting back into trouble. And so there are a lot of positive things about that show. And the fact that he's involved with the case tells me since this show stopped in 2012, he's a bounty hunter. He's there to help. Uh, he's also there to, you know, make a little money. Oh, legit. he is a legit bounty hunter. And one other quick tidbit before we move on from dog. Done a lot of dog talk. Five foot seven, man. I thought the guy was at six five, six seven, somewhere in that range minimum, but five foot seven, dog the bounty hunter. You know, I got a confession to make. I've never actually watched the show. I have read uh a mad magazine satire of the show, and that's how I know what the show's about. But yeah, I thought he'd have been a bigger guy too. I guess he has big guys with him. Well, we want to thank Josh Whitaker for his time with us on the Outlaw Lawyer. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and remove him from uh, from co-host status. No, I, I'll be honest with you too, man. I, I don't I don't know that I've ever watched more than like a couple minutes of it when it's come on. But I tell you one thing, we give him credit for, man. He has permeated you know popular culture because uh, again, even never having seen the show, you know exactly who Dog the Bounty Hunter is, man. You could oh, probably yeah. see a shadow silhouette of him and be like, yeah, that's Dog the Bounty Hunter or Hulk Hogan with a ponytail. I get a lot of my pop culture. Uh, information from Mad Magazine. Uh, I still have a subscription, so it gets delivered to the house. So it's good stuff, the Mad Magazine. But, Joe, we're up against a break. I think coming up next, we're going to talk about sovereign citizens. There's some some of that in the news. So we're going to talk about that real quick. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer are your hosts. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, 46 combined years experience, and they've got offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. If you've got legal questions, you can call that hotline, and we have it for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your name and number and the question that you have, and an attorney will be back in touch with you. And again, you can also email questions to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll use those questions in an upcoming show. We're short on time, guys, so let's wrap this up. I know you've got one more topic you want to hit. Sovereign citizens. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one, and I almost wish we had more time to talk about it because it, it is interesting. It's a little nutty, but... um. Recently in the news, uh, Shanetta Little buys a house in Newark, New Jersey. Shortly after, she starts getting these official-looking letters. They've got a golden seal. They've got fancy legalistic language. And they basically claim that there's an 18th-century treaty that's giving the sender of these messages the right to claim her new house she's purchased as his own. So she, like most anyone would, thought these letters were a hoax and, and I guess kind of disregarded them until shortly thereafter, fast forward to June when Miss Little is in her yard with a police SWAT team negotiating with a man who's broken into this house, changed her locks, hung a red and green flag in the home's window, and is again literally claiming it as his own. Yeah, we see this the sovereign citizen stuff. We see this a lot as attorneys. You know, if you're in criminal court on the wrong day, uh, one of these guys will stand up and start talking about why they're not subject to speeding laws and go on a, a, a rant for like 30 minutes before they're found uh, responsible or guilty of whatever they were in there for to, to begin with. But yeah, and we were kind of talking about title theft insurance uh, last week and we are, are, we, we decided it wasn't really worth the money and it didn't do much. And, and here's a good example, because this is just criminal behavior. I think uh, the article that we were reading called it paper 
terrorism. So these people just don't believe they're subject to the laws of the United States. There was one of these in Raleigh not too long. Well, I guess five years doesn't seem like a long time as you get older, but five to seven years ago, we had one kind of off Lake Wheeler Road. These guys used to target like foreclosed homes, homes that had been abandoned, and they would just change the locks and, and live in there. And then you've got like a out of town bank owner who's trying to figure out how to get rid of these these folks. But it's um, this was really interesting because th- these folks gave uh, Miss Little a really hard time. Yeah, it's one guy, man. And, and the reason this kind of went viral again, we talk about it a lot, but she she basically live stream and posted a TikTok video of the encounter with the SWAT team coming. So once again, man, TikTok, we got to get on the TikTok. Uh, yeah, if essential. it happens on TikTok, I'm generally unaware of it, but I have to. Uh, I'll have to see if the people at Mad Magazine can get get me hooked into TikTok. Let me know what's going on. <laughs> quick, quick legal analysis of the sovereign citizen argument. Again, you said it. You, we see it. We see it from time to time. Um, I've seen it as an attorney where you you have these people that put forth these elaborate arguments. They spend a, seem to spend a ton of time trying to grasp for some wild legal authority as to why. They are a sovereign citizen, and whatever law it is doesn't apply to them. Uh, quick legal analysis. This gentleman uh, been charged with criminal mischief, burglary, criminal trespass, and making terroristic threats. Being a sovereign citizen has not worked as a great defense to those charges. So, again, cannot be recommended to, to take that approach as a legal defense. No, and you think with all the time they spend on these documents and making up, because that's what they're doing, like taking maritime law, and they're just kind of making – just making things up and then, and people uh, subscribe to it. And, and, and it seems like you could spend all that time doing something productive. You could probably buy a house. Yeah. You got a lot of creativity, man. Maybe, maybe mad magazines hiring and you could, you could get a job there and actually purchase things. Well, Joe, I think that's about all the time we have for this week. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up today. I look forward to being with you guys again next Saturday. Uh, Morgan, Thanks a lot. All right. There you go. If you got any legal questions of your own, here's the number 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. That'll get you in touch. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on the show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of the show, contact us directly.